Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. Your hobby content alternative. I am Brett McGrath, B2B marketer, sport card collector, and investor, and professional wrestling fan. How is it going these days, weeks, months, and the hobby are flying by? I had to sit back and some of the stuff that happened in the hobby and some of the interactions I had as I was putting together this episode, I couldn't believe it was in the same week that some of these things had taken place. I don't know if it's an element of the growth of the card market, uh, my evolution in the card market and some of the things I'm doing, people I'm talking with, the fact that professional sports are actually happening. Maybe it's all of those combined, I think, but I like speed. I like to go, 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 go. And then I typically crash. And that's why I choose Bang as my, the official or unofficial drink of stacking slabs. But I can't tell you how excited I am for all of the activity and all the interactions that have gone on for me over the course of the last week or, and since we last spoke. I hope you enjoyed the conversation on Friday with Nick from New England Pieces. That's one of those ones I've got to go back and listen to several times because there were some hidden nuggets in there and gems that if you listen closely, you can start implementing in your process and it'll make you a better buyer, subber, and seller. And I think those types of things you're thinking about in your process will make you less transactional. And that's what we're trying to do here on Stacking Slabs. And that's what all you're trying to do at home. You are all trying to be proactive and not reactive, not transactional, but you're trying to build. And we're builders here. That's why I'm trying to deliver you know, your hobby content alternative. We're trying to build something great. And it's been an awesome uh, run so far. And it's been a great um, community. And it really feels like a community to me. And maybe that's because I'm, I'm you know, communicating with a lot of you listeners on a regular basis. It's not lost on me that the connection and the community feeling might be feel like it's one-to-one right now. I am thinking diligently about ways that we can all share what we're doing on a regular basis. And I'm putting some thought into that because I think it's really important that you don't just hear from me, but you hear from all the people I'm interacting with on a regular basis. And I want to share those stories and that engagement. And I think we'll all be better if we're sharing our process ideas. And I'm not saying share our pick these guys, buy these guys. That's not what we do around here. I might share some thoughts and mentalities on you know, who I'm looking at or who I'm buying at. I just want you all to know that and get visibility. And hopefully that gives you inspiration on some targets. And it doesn't need to be those specific players, but it can be players that fall into similar categories. But it's not lost on me to find ways to bring us all together to share what we are doing. I am having a massive feast at the Stacking Slabs HQ today. You heard me pump up Traeger Grills. If you follow me on Instagram, you see me taking pictures and showing videos of that baby smoking. I, when I got back from my run this morning, I have a seven pound pork shoulder. I seasoned that baby up and it is slow cooking on the Traeger 
today, nine and a half hours. I've got some wings going too. It is going to be awesome. I'm going to take photos of the, the finished product. I took a photo in my story of the before on the por- pork shoulder, but I will be taking photos of the finished product and tell you how good it tastes. Having some family and a f- friends over today, keeping our social distancing, staying in the backyard. Well, maybe not staying in the backyard the entire time because we've got a full slate on this Saturday as I record it of NBA action. And how awesome is it that the NBA is back? I'm not shutting up about it, but like from my perspective, you've got cards and cards are awesome, but the actual sport and activity drives the activity on the card market. And I'm just such a fan of basketball and it's just been so fun to watch. So I'm strapping in. Today is Clippers Blazers. I mean, Dame doesn't seem like he's going to be denied. And I think the Clippers are sitting quiet because looks like the Blazers might maybe take the ace seed from the Grizzlies. Ja might have something to say about that, but it seems like the Clippers are punting so they don't have to mess with that healthy Portland team and feed them to the Lakers. That lake, If it is Lakers in Portland in round one of the playoffs, get your popcorn ready, as T.O. used to say, because this Portland team is as healthy as it's ever been all year, and they look like a four seed. I mean, they are gunning right now. So that game's going on. You got Jazz Nuggets, uh, Michael Porter Jr. show. He's the talk of the hobby right now. I'm going to talk about him a little later in the episode. Suns Heat. The Suns have been nice. A lot of hobby hype on that team. They spanked my Pacers, giving them the first loss this week. I'm going to share some some thoughts on Cameron Johnson. You got the Bucks Mavericks. But most importantly for me, I got Lakers Pacers, baby. I am excited. I don't know if the King's playing or not. I don't think he probably is, but maybe he is. But I'm excited. Pacers have looked good. I got my Pacers flag waving out proudly at my house. We are the Pacers house on our street. It's kind of fun. We've got Pacers colors on our house. We've got a yellow door, and it literally looks like our it is the home of the Pacers. So that's fun. Always be representing. I know you all are representing your teams and your players that you're getting behind. Hopefully you are enjoying hoops. I am, and I am having so much fun. So setting the stage for this show today, I'm going to talk about some big decisions I made in this the hobby this week. And I think it's always important to be thinking strategically about what your program is, where you want to take it, and inevitably big decisions need to be made. I'm going to talk about the hobby hype guys, guys that have been shooting up in price out of nowhere based on their on-the-court play. And maybe talk a little bit about a week later and what they look like. I'm going to mention some other opportunities to digging in and football picks. I know I shared last week that football, my, the guys I'm buying up in football or thinking about would be a two-part series. I'm going to hold on that. It's going to probably be next week for part two, um, but it's not lost on me. I think the theme of, of my hobby life right now is to watch basketball, buy football, and sell basketball. That is what I've been doing obsessively. Not saying I'm not buying anyone in basketball, but it's it, I am at the probably for the last several months, this is the least amount of transactions I've made from the purchasing side on basketball, and that's okay thing. I'm not getting caught up in those prices right now. They are crazy. There are some opportunities potentially, but then you got to say to yourself, am I just doing this because I think I'm smart? And like going out and buying a Grayson Allen prism because, you know, he hit three threes in the first half. I don't know. Grayson Allen, 
he has looked good, but come on. Like, do you really want to invest your money in Grayson Allen cards? Like he in that on a healthy Grizzlies team, he's like the fifth or sixth option. Maybe the hobby's moving in the direction where that matters. I'm not quite there yet. So my mentality is bye-bye football because I do think there are so many opportunities in football right now, and it's still undervalued. Prices are going up. That's undeniable. I think, you know, Dak Prescott, his prism, silver prism, there was like eight sold in one day at an all-time high. I think Zeke Elliott's cards, I'm mentioning all Cowboys right now. I don't know why, but just some of these fantasy football guys, Christian McCaffrey, these guys, their prices are soaring. Here's the deal, everyone. Don't go chasing those guys and don't go put your money into those guys. I know it's really fun and it's, it's hard not to, but they are becoming expensive. And just think about your fantasy football league and think about what happens every year. There's always the guys that are the top tier guys and you've got consistent guys who continue to do well. That's a percentage of those top draft picks. You got injuries, guys that just don't play out the year. And then you got guys that are underperforming. And then the other half of the league are all these guys and people are saying, man, I wish I would have drafted this guy or I just picked up this guy off the waiver wire. So in football, especially with the mentality that the DFS market is coming in, people are going to be selling on a weekly basis. Prices are going to be going up based on performances. Like my mentality is like buy some of these guys that are in situations where their offense is really good. They might be in the year two, they're undervalued. Maybe they're the number one now in their position because of something else. So I'm buying up on guys, if you've probably heard on this, this show and previous episodes of guys that aren't the mega stars in the league, but are kind of that second tier. There is one mega star I'm hot on, and I will talk about that in a few minutes here. But let's talk about why I'm ta- so bullish on selling basketball. I think that's going to be a big portion. I'm going to talk about about my serious moves this week and why I did it. But just to lead it off, I'm selling basketball because I'm looking at card ladder right now. And I sold a PSA 10 Jason Tatum card on August 7th. And it appears that the card is at an all-time high. I sold it for 785 bones, baby. I am really, really excited about that price. And my mentality on it was I wasn't going to, I didn't want to chase the peak of Jason Tatum. I saw an opportunity. The reason was a reason, my own personal reason, where I was trying to sell some cards to get cash to buy a bigger card. And it was, it worked out great for me. What I did, put that baby up in a 24 hour auction. So much activity, so many watchers, and it was really competitive. Ended at seven eighty five. I think one of the things like we all got to think about here is like don't overthink it. Like don't be like, oh, I'm waiting for Jason Tatum to have a forty point game and a game winner, and then put the card up. I just there's too many variables there. I think feeling good about the situation, especially for me, like I want to buy a big card, and I bought that big card, and I'm going to share more about that big card later, but. I wanted cash. I knew Jason Tatum's cards were hot. The NBA market was hot. So why not? So that's, I think, how we all need to think. Like, we, we don't need to overthink it. Wait for that triple-double. I think with Tatum, too, it's like my realization on him is like, God, he's a great. He's so much fun to watch. But Boston is so good. And 
you know, Kimball Walker, Jalen Brown, or Gordon Hayward, or, you know, who you name it, like those guys, like everybody on that team scores 20 points a game. So if you think about it, and that's true, like they had the most 320 point players or average 20 points a game, which was like the first time in a very long time. And that was uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kimball Walker. They all averaged 20 points this year. So they distribute, right? In like the if you look at like just from a general perspective, the way the hobby moves is about based on like these guys that are getting triple doubles, these guys that are the main cog on their team. And I'm not saying Jason Tatum isn't. However, he's got so much support that on some nights he doesn't have to be. So that's why I'm selling Jason Tatum. I heard something from a legend that this is the second episode in a row that he's coming up on, but I got to because basketball's going on, paces are playing. Boom, baby. That's what I'm saying. Reggie said something on TNT on commentary this week. It was a late game. I can't remember exactly what it was, but once he said it, I took a note of it because I thought it was so relevant for what I'm thinking about and how the hobby works. But Reggie was on commentary and he said, little things make the big things happen. And he was talking about a team and progressing and I just can't remember what it was. But I reflected on that quote. I took, I wrote it down it really made a lot of sense to me and just how I'm approaching the hobby. I think little things like building relationships with people, not thinking about things from a transactional mindset, but like having people in your network, that's really important. It might be a little thing, but it can lead to some bigger and better things. I think card purchasing, deciding who you're going to buy and the why behind you might be a little thing, but it can lead to bigger things for your long-term strategy. When you're going to hold players, those guys, those decisions, little thing, but it might lead to big things and breakthroughs moving forward. And finally, just selling, like having the confidence to sell cards. It might be a little thing in the moment, but like that Jason Tatum sale for me, it was a sale and it's just changed my mentality on the hobby and the approach and why I did it. And when I did it, I think that's really important. So I want to thank Uncle Reggie for the words of wisdom. Believe it or not, when the NBA playoffs are happening, he's not just hitting game winners and leading the Pacers to success, but he is also in the later stage of it in his career, giving fine words of wisdom that are being shared on Stacking Slabs. I love Reggie Miller. And for all you Pacers fans out there, especially Kyle from Wax Museum, it's really fun to have a guy in the hobby who's doing content, who's in it with the Pacers and loves the Pacers like me. Boom, baby. All right. So I think NBA playoffs. I shared uh, last week that, you know, I'm trying not to get too down in the weeds on players and what's happening on this show just because by the time it hits, it goes out, so much has changed. What I'm trying to do is uh, do more live streams, do more things on Instagram TV. So if you haven't, followed me yet on Instagram. Follow me at Stacking Slabs. You can follow me on TikTok and Twitter also at Stacking Slabs. Slide in those DMs. That's I do appreciate that. I try to get back to everyone. I think I do. And it's fun to connect there. But I'm trying to use Instagram TV from a more like day by day. And this is going to just be some general thoughts. So general thoughts, I think two teams that stand out for me, although Toronto just got spanked last night. I think that's okay. I think they're still really, really tough. They were undefeated up until last night against they until they faced Boston. 
but I think they have a chip on their shoulder and they are built to head to the finals. I wasn't thinking that, but I think the bubble play has changed the mentality on everything. I think the bubble play is really like, I like it because it feels like an all-star game every night. It feels like an arcade game. People are gunning. I think that changes the whole mentality. But then you've got teams like the, the Raptors that are slowing it down. They're playing Raptors basketball. They're, they're in control. And I think, you know, you know, a thought process I've had with just watching them play, I mean, that backcourt with Kyle Lowry, which, you know, they might as well, if, if he can get to the finals and win another one, they might as well build a Kyle Lowry statue outside of that arena. But then Fred Van Fleet, the two of them, I think, you know, as I'm watching these guys, it really reminds me a lot of the Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas combo, where I think, you know, they do, it's just there's a lot of similarities when I watch them play. And that's not a bad thing for Toronto. I think it's a very good team. They're loaded, well coached. The other side of the equation, you've got the Maniac team, which hyperdrive, ambitious, just gun, go, go, go. Not even playing any big guys is Houston. And Houston's been the team. I know they're polarizing and people do not like Houston. I can see if you are a Houston fan why you love Houston, but this team in this model and in this bubble is super unique. And I think it is almost like, I know it's the same league and it's the same game, but there's always that little twist. And it's almost like, you know, when the Dream Team 2 or, you know, later Dream Teams played and there was the FIFA rules and the league was different and there was emphasis on scoring and the three-pointer was closer. It's like slight tweaks and changes made players perform a little better like you know Carmelo Anthony was unstoppable in that model and look at Carmelo now I mean he's still gunning but like I think this bubble mentality like this just go 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 been cooped up for a while it really is favorable to a team like Houston so I'm very anxious to see how this plays out but right now like with James Harden and Russ Westbrook like they, they, that is not someone you want to play in this bubble. So I've been just really paying close attention to those two teams because their teams going into the playoffs, I wasn't paying attention to, but they both caught my attention. I think now too, it seems like we're beginning to see teams that aren't showing us everything. Like I think some teams are holding back, especially teams that are in more secure position. I think that's a theme I've been seeing. Again, I'm going to talk about him. I did a Instagram video on him this week, but Cameron Johnson, I've been talking about Cameron Johnson on the Suns. I can't express to you, like, especially watching him against the Pacers and watching him for another game against my team. The dude is just like so confident and he just shoots it. The way he runs up and down the floor, like contributes to his team. It it feels like he is like a three, four year vet. And I think that's really, really positive for the Suns. And I think he's someone that I think his cards are still kind of nice. And again, not a guy you're going to buy and want to sell like because the Suns aren't going to probably make the playoffs. Who knows? But I think he's a guy that's really caught my attention and I'm super excited about. Obviously, I'm pumped about the Pacers. They went down to the Suns. I'm not worried about it. I feel like they were playing with house money. Hopefully they're competitive against the Lakers today. There's a lot to be excited about with DeMontis Sabonis out. Even the team is playing at a high level. I think, you know, TJ Warren, the holidays, even with Victor Oladipo not, you know, showing that he looks 100%, team is still playing very, very well. And so 
we are uh, proud supporters here in Indianapolis and get behind our team. So we're hoping for the best, and I'm excited that they're on the floor. And then just, you know, I'm such a fan of John Morant, so it's like must-see television every time Memphis plays. I know they've struggled a little bit, Triple J, but like going down, but it's been really fun for me to pay close attention and kind of get the check mark on some of those investments I've made on John Morant. One thing I was thinking about this week, and it was a personal example of a card that's seen some gains, some significant gains since June, really got me to think about just blue chippers and why I think it's really, really important to make sure that you are investing in blue chippers. And when I mean blue chippers, I'm talking about guys that, I guess, one, maybe are transcendent type players where maybe if you don't watch basketball every week and the name is mentioned, the people, the person on the other side of that knows who that player is. Maybe some crossover pop culture stuff. Guys that are just borderline legends. So I'm thinking about a guy like LeBron James. And this is the best part about the hobby right now. Like you can look at LeBron James's get caught up in the hype of, you know, the 1.8 or whatever million dollar card RPA that sold the his exquisite. I mean, you could get caught up on his chrome soaring, but like when I saw all of those like things happening and around me as a fan of watching LeBron James play and feeling like, all right, if I'm in this hobby, I've got to have some nice LeBron James cards because I enjoy watching him play. I have a connection with him throughout his career, even though he's stomped the mud hole in the Pacers for a long, long time, especially those Miami years really kill me. But anyways, I felt like I needed LeBron. So I think the one thing that needs to be mentioned that is now more apparent than ever is it's not just about rookie cards, everyone, especially with blue chippers. I think serial number cards, I think, you know, hot cards like silver prisms of guys, like those cards, like I think we should be paying more attention to. I think the market is starting to pay more attention to those cards. But I think those are super important. And especially if like blue chippers feel or seem like they're out of your budget, I think those are kind of the situations where you got to kind of think outside the box. So in June, as I was preparing for the NBA to hopefully come back, thank God it did. I thought to myself, I want to get some LeBron. I need to get in the LeBron game. The silver prism is just a freaking hot card in the hobby. It's the card. I'm going to get a silver prism in the Lakers jersey. And I'm going to be done with it because it just makes sense because it's LeBron and I think they're going to win the finals. Well, I'm glad I did. Obviously, if you paid any attention to the hobby this past week, his base prism is just exploding. So on June 14th, I bought his silver prism BGS 9.5 with subgrades. I don't have the card in front of me, so I can't remember the exact subgrades. Everything was 9.5. Corners were nine. That's what it was. So I bought that card for 405 on June 14th, looked on card ladder. Now it's at $1,200. That card's not going to stop. If I could do it again and I, I started this whole thing over in the hobby, I would have focused more on the blue chip guys and less on the cutesy prospecting, like try to get guys and hopefully that they, you know, their cards increase. I think everyone's cards are increasing at this point. And I'm not trying to downplay prospecting and trying to hit on guys. That's fun. And I love to do it. But I think I focused a lot of my energy on that early. And I wish I could maybe take some of that back. And if maybe, you know, thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars, I wish I would have maybe instead when I was pumping in some hopefuls, 
I could have just bought a $3,000 LeBron card and it probably would be, you know, doubled by now. So I think that's just important to, to anyone, anyone listening, make sure that you are, it's a security thing too. You're mitigating risk, right? These guys are the guys that aren't, prices aren't going to go down. Just like, I know there's, it ebbs and flows throughout the season, but just like look at Jordan's cards, okay? And like take the last dance out of the equation, but just look at, go look, go do some homework, look at Jordan's cards. I think, you know, it's like investing in the S&P, you know? It's like, just like, it's a sure thing. So I think that's part of my mentality moving forward. I really want to focus in on some blue chippers and I think you should too. I was thinking about Mosaic a lot this week and I... It's funny when Mosaic first hit, I was a little lukewarm on it. Then I started to like appreciate it for its aesthetics. And then I started to appreciate it for some of the inserts. Then I started to like the, the parallel, you know, parallels. And it just like, then I, all of a sudden it's like, man, I'm like fanboying on Mosaic. So I've bought some nice Mosaic over the last, you know, month or so, some nice cards. And I really think like just from a Mosaic perspective, like that's a, a set. If I were you and you're looking for opportunities, like dig in, do some homework on Mosaic right now. Just because I think this is a set that a lot of people like you, me, and everyone else listening re-entered the hobby. And it was the first substantial, significant set of basketball cards that people found at retail, that people bought into breaks, that people ripped hobby boxes. So that like nostalgic connection with a set like Mosaic, it's a timing thing. Like it's the COVID card, right? People are like, I want to rip wax. And that was what was available. So I think from an investment perspective, Mosaic is one of those products that this set especially, it's double, triple down with it being a Zion jaw thing. Then you've got everyone coming back into the hobby. The cards are beautiful too. Like they really are. Like I love the blue reactive. The Genesis are cool. Just the standard mosaic cards are awesome. But that's a set. Go do some homework on because I promise you, if you are patient and you're not buying cards to flip right away and you're patient and you get some good buys in there, I think that that set is going to give some nice returns to investors over a long period of time. One of the things not on the new set side. I think there is thinking about older products. And I think, you know, this, there's a, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with someone who has thought and done research on the tops market versus the Panini market in that division and the growth of cards and the rate at which transactions are happening and the values are going through. And I, I just think that's a fascinating topic because. There are players in the league that rookie cards are tops cards, tops chromes, you know, LeBron, for instance. And then there's, you know, like the newer guys that are all Panini and Prism's a card. And I, I think that's a fascinating thing in the hobby. And I think that's not really talked about enough from just a data perspective. And I'd love to hear more. So if you're out there, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'm the guy I'm thinking about right now as I'm talking about this is uh, Jordan, Sports Cards Analytics. So, Jordan, maybe if you're out there and you're listening, I'd love to get some information maybe on some tops versus prism or chrome versus prism. I think that would be cool. But what I'm seeing right now is there's some opportunity and some growth 
on the tops market, specifically with guys that are active. And here are some two stories for you. So I did some digging. I am plugging Card Ladder because that is my, that's where I get my data. Pulled up two cards on, on Card Ladder based on two guys that I'm watching every night who have rookie cards that are tops. So I think the first one is a guy that I talked about on a team that's playing like they're an arcade game, and that's James Harden in his 2009 Topps Chrome rookie card, population of 49, okay? So it sold on 515 for $2,699, okay? Flash forward a couple months, so that was May 15th, $2,699. Two months later, on July 4th, it had an increase of $300, and it sold for $3,000. This is PSA 10, $3,000. So in a three months later, it had a 11% jump. So nothing significant, okay? Now look at a guy like Chris Paul. So his 2005 Topps Chrome card popped 180, so more than the Harden, on May 13th, sold for $250, which I was looking at that card then. And I, was, I was looking at that card then, and I was like, ah, I, lo- I bought up a bunch of Chris Paul. I was like, I just don't know if I want to pay $250. I'm not sure about Tops and Chrome and a guy like Chris Paul in the market right now. Well, on August 6th, it sold for $1,200, so a 380% jump. Okay, so you're seeing like, a guy like James Harden had a small bump over that course of the period where a guy like Chris Paul had a massive bump over that last period. So I find that interesting. I think just those are the types of things you want to look at. To me, what that screams is, one, Chris Paul was extremely undervalued. The Chris Paul community, people like me that appreciate him as one of the top 10 point guards of all time, are watching him play and understand that he is one of the last of a dying breed of floor floor court generals who keep and maintain the pace. He is the reason why Oklahoma City is playing right now. He's making Shea better. Like The market caught up, and they're like, all right, we need to give this guy some love. But then you've got a guy like James Harden, who I know he's got a polarizing audience, and I know a lot of people are Harden haters, but man, there just seems like there's a lot of room to grow with that James Harden card, especially if Houston can do the unthinkable and take down one of these LA teams. Something to think about. I had a ton of fun talking with my boy, Chris Keller from Top Shelf Breaks this past week, and that's going to be the Friday episode. So a little preview of that episode. It's great. I like talking with him because it's like just talking with a buddy. You know, we both like music. We both like business. We both like wrestling. We both like sports, sports cards, a lot to cover there. But I think the main theme for that one is just adaptability. And I think, you know, you got to be adaptable. And, you know, Chris has a unique perspective. He is an LCS owner and he's someone who does breaks. And so he is adapted to the modern age of pushing what he's doing through digital components. He's really, really good at it. And we talk about that. We talk about new product coming out. We talk about what's happening in the market from his perspective. It is a, we talk about wrestling cards too. That's a topic I've been wanting to get into more and more. And again, I keep saying it, but 
We talk a little bit about that, and that's more to come on that, but you're not going to want to miss that. Go check out the Hobby Hustle conversation with Chris Keller from Top Shelf Break. Let it rip. What happened, everyone? No one wanted to let it rip. I talked about the let it rip segment from last week. No one sent in. I actually got a couple messages from people saying they were thinking about sending in a a voice memo to stackingslabs at gmail.com. No one pulled the trigger. Extra incentive right now. I will, this is, this is, okay, so this is what I can tell you. I'm going to be giving away some packs of cards to someone who pops me or makes me happy on a let it rip that they send me. Okay, so you have a really good chance to win let it rip if you're the only one who sends in a voice memo, okay? So if you're listening to this and you are at work, you're working at a desk or whatever you're doing, if you're driving, wait until you're done. Hit, make a little note to yourself and say, send Brett a take on, for Let It Rip on your phone and email it to him at stackingslabs.com because if I do that, I'm going to have a chance to win some packs of cards. And it's not going to be any clown packs. It's going to be the real deal. I really want to hear from you. I want to hear from you and I want to put it on my show. So I'd love that. So definitely let it rip this week. Give me one. Come on, don't make me stand up here next week and be like, no one wanted to do Let It Rip again. The segment's dead. I really, I'm encouraging you. You have a great, I get great questions all the time. And I want to, it doesn't need to be questions. It can be comments, takes. It can be about, it can be about people doing content in the hobby that are pissing you off. It can be about a sale you made. It could be about an opportunity that you think someone should be seeing. Like, let's talk about it. Let it rip, baby. So get those over to me. Get those over to me once you hear this. And I'm going to put it on the show. And again, when those start coming in, I'm going to judge one. I'm going to, whoever pops me the most, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give them packs of cards. So go let it rip, baby. All right. So I got a question. This isn't a let it rip, but I got a question here from, it was actually a really good question and I'm going to read it. And I asked him. So from Naeem Cardinal on Instagram, he asked me, Hey, Brett, hope you're having a great day. I have a question for you. As a Canadian, I get charged anywhere from 11 to $25 for shipping from the USA on cards. How do I keep my ROI in mind when taking shipping into consideration? For example, I was taking you up on your advice for 10 football cards under $10. If I'm buying a 3 to $4 card and paying $15 shipping, should I still go for it or look for cards in, only in Canada? Thank you. Man, I got to give love to our friends from north of the border. And that is certainly something I had not thought about. So I was like, this is something I want to address on the show because I think it's super important. If you're in this situation as Naeem Cardinal and you're a Canadian and I'm saying, look at these cards, they're under $10, but you're going to have to pay $15 shipping, probably not the best decision. My perspective would be to try to find a local connection. And I know in Canada, it might be more difficult, but I know there's a football market there, but I would try to keep it local. I think when I talk about buying these football players in this DFS mindset and new people coming into the hobby and transactions happen, these are theories I'm building, right? This isn't like matter of fact stuff. So I hate for you to, you know, go spend $25 on a Calvin Ridley, you know, optic. And then, you know, either football season doesn't happen or if Calvin Ridley gets hurt, like that's, that's a bummer. Like, so I would try to keep your costs low. I try to keep your connections local, especially 
on that. I think if, if you're moving up market a little bit and you're buying bigger cards, then it makes sense. So lots of content. So thank you for the question, Naeem. Definitely, if you have good questions, I'm going to read them on the air because I think that's something everyone can learn from. Tons of content this week. So shout out to Micah from Hoopstock. Micah slid into my DMs. He is a new content creator. You can go check him out. Um, I think it was, he reached out to me. He said, hey man, I enjoy your show. Do you think, would you be interested in doing an interview with me? And I, I gotta be honest, I am very, very selective. And this is not me just being pretentious or anything, but I'm selective with who I talk to because there are so many different types of people creating content in the hobby. And there's so many areas of focus. And what is my most important thing I'm trying to do? I'm trying to build Stacking Slabs as a brand. I'm trying to build a community. And so every decision and everything I do, and this is the marketer in me, needs to align with what I'm about and what I believe in. And so he slid into my DMs and I told him, he, go, I, he said, I just started. And I told him, hey, man, I don't care about how many people are subscribing to you. I don't. Like, I straight up don't care. But what I care about is your content. And it needs to align with the things I'm thinking about. So I checked out his YouTube and he had one episode under his belt and it was sound like he had a process. He had a spreadsheet up. He was talking about dumping players because when the market was getting flooded, before the market got flooded, it was just smart stuff. Like I learned something from him on one episode that I was like, yeah, dude, let's do this. So we jumped on this week. He put it up on Instagram TV and it was just a great conversation and it why I liked it so much was he's very analytical. He's in a kind of a a sales data, sales operation role in his job, which is something I can appreciate. And so it was like, I was learning something from him. I hope he was learning something from me. You could go check out him, Hoopstocks Micah on Instagram. He's got that video up on his uh, Instagram. I had fun doing it. Shout out to Micah. Jordan Sports Card Analytics. He had a great video that he dropped on comparative grading, going through the different grading companies and specific cards. Quick hit, short, loved it. It was really cool. A lot of satire in there. Baby Yoda, we all know Baby Yoda's a fan of GMA. What up? Baby Yoda might know something we don't know, but that's something you're going to want to go check out. Keep up the good work, Jordan. Got to shout out Andy's sports card investigator. He dropped one earlier in the week about what to watch out for when watching influencers which I loved because what what he's trying to do is just say, hey, be cautious. Make sure that you're aware of what people are doing in their mentalities. You know, not everyone out there is out to help. A lot of people care about the numbers of subscribers. A lot of people care about new money coming into their bank account through Patreon. I'm not saying that you're not allowed to do that. I'm just saying if you're on the other end of that, you got to know what's going on. So Definitely appreciated that episode. Enjoying Card Ladder as always. I've heard, I dropped an Instagram video this week. Go check it out on my account. Just in support of Card Ladder, I've heard some just absolute nonsense in the hobby this week about from people who just don't understand how to use the product. I talked about it last week and then the noise amplified and I felt compelled to get on get on my platform and share my thoughts on that. I'm not going to repeat what I said there. I just think, you know, people, I don't, I have no time for people who don't know what they're talking about, who have an opinion that's terrible, that 
just is baseless and are using that opinion to share it with their audience just because they either are upset or, you know, who knows what the deal is. But just if you're interested in learning about the context of that, go check out my Instagram video. Card Ladder, I've plugged them several times. They help me as I'm formatting these episodes because they're my data source of record. So shout out to them. I want to shout out to Tim at Mountain State Cardboard. He had his second episode. He's got some great stuff going. He's just getting started, but I really love his podcast. It's kind of like slabs in a way where it's just, you know, he's sharing his thoughts. And I got to say, he talked about the Colts this week and why he likes them. And that was cool for me. I was like, all right, we got some other people on the Colts train. Kyle from Wax Museum. He had an episode on TJ Warren, episode on some other topics, but he focused in on TJ Warren. And I was going to talk about TJ Warren this week, but he beat me to it. And literally, like, I was messaging him, like, some thoughts about that were going through my head. And literally, like, he was, as I was listening to the episode, he was saying the exact same thing. So, like, we're on the same page with TJ Warren and his cards. But, like, Kyle, I really enjoy Kyle and Wax Museum. He's very efficient in his episodes. And it's just good stuff, good content. And like I mentioned up top, it's awesome to have another Pacers fan in the hobby. So go check out Kyle. On the wrestling front, I got to tell you. So here's the deal. I got my AEW Unrivaled Series 1 figures this week from Ringside Collectibles. Check out Ringside Collectibles. Man, I love Ringside Collectibles. But I pre-ordered this set. I've been waiting forever. I haven't really talked about it much. Massive wrestling figure fan and collector. You should see my hobby room. I got displays for days. And I know a lot of wrestling figure fans in the community listen to Stacking Slabs, and I do appreciate that. I will never stop my love for collecting wrestling figures. And sometime I'll take some photos and drop it on my Instagram, but I've got a lot of stuff going on. But those figures came. They hit They hit my doorstep. It was an exciting day. They are awesome. I love AEW. But on the AEW front, I got a shout out. The Spanish God, Sammy Guevara, baby, on AEW Dynamite. The segment he had with Matt Hardy was awesome. So, you know, they, he interrupted Matt Hardy's promo and it led to some physical activity. Then is where stuff got kind of wild. So Sammy threw the wrong chair, like he threw a chair at Matt Hardy and it caught him in the head and we had a gusher. So. Matt Hardy, you could see it was a, a bad bump and you could start to see the blood forming on his head while he was on the table. Sammy gets up on the stage and does some like 650 corkscrew. I don't know what the hell it was, but nailed the spot perfectly, crashing through the table. I have goosebumps talking about it to now. I got out of my chair and I was just like, yes! Hardy was on the ground, blood everywhere. And man, if if you're not a wrestling fan, it might be hard to relate, but that was a pinnacle of my week. Shout out to everyone watching AEW and everyone who liked that. That was certainly so much fun. All right, music recommendation here. So a album hit my radar this week and it brought me back. So the album is from an artist named Daniel Bloomberg, okay? So, like, if you're listening to this, you're like, who the hell is Daniel Bloomberg? The album's called On and On. Why I'm calling out, the album is incredible, okay? But why I'm calling out the album is 
Daniel Bloomberg was the lead singer of a band that released an album that I absolutely love in 2011. And the band is Yuck, and it's a self-titled album. Daniel and Yuck had some falling out after this album was released. And Yuck still kept going, but it was just never the same. But anyways, this album, it was 2011. I was working with one of my friends and we were... We had an MP3 blog, if you can remember that, which, man, seems like forever ago at this point. But we were pumping out content, talking about albums, music we liked. And I got an email from the manager, band manager, or press person at that was behind Yuck and shot me a link uh, to the new album and said, hey, you know, would you mind, you guys mind covering this, this album? And so for me, like during that time, a lot of people doing blogs, like would always complain about, getting reached out to about bands and demos and music. But for us, I was like, man, if someone's reaching out to me and wants me to listen to their music so I can write about it, like I'm going to listen to all those. Some of them not good, some of them good, but it, you know, it gave me some leads on stuff that I could cover if I didn't have something in the pipeline. Well, anyways, this Yuck album came and I put it on and Get Away, the lead song off of the album, I heard the guitar and immediately I heard Pavement. Immediately I heard Dinosaur Jr. I like got goosebumps and I was like, holy cow, like this is incredible. So I like left the house or the apartment I was living in once that got done. And I remember just like standing in the street, just like yelling like, yes, this is what I needed. And I became obsessed. I listened to that album like on repeat. I was like, I got to see these guys. I drove to Chicago, saw them at Pitchfork Music Festival. And it was so much fun. Then I was supposed to go home, but heard that they were playing in a club. It was on a Sunday night. It was at Shuba's for all you Chicago people. Unknown Mortal Orchestra was opening that night. Another band I love. And this is so weird, all the connections, but Another, at the time of Unknown Mortal Orchestra's drummer was a 17-year-old. His name was Julian. Julian now is the drummer and lead singer of the band Whitney, who's Chicago-based. It's kind of all full circle. But anyways, the Yuck played their set from before, but in reverse. And it was so much fun, and I had the time of my life. Then a few months later, Yuck played at Radio Radio, and it was one of those nights. I was on the corner of the stage. They were rocking out. I got split from all my friends. And we all, once we kind of the show was over, we all just kind of like embraced and was like, oh my gosh, that was so amazing. So if you're looking for some rock and roll music, go check out that album from 2011 by Yuck. But also go give Daniel Bloomberg's new one a listen. It's a different sound, but it's really, really good. It is selling season, baby. All right, so I talked a lot about why I think it's a good time to sell. So I sold a ton of cards and I sold a ton of cards because I found a card from a seller that was exactly what I had been looking for. And it was a card that has a potential to be an iconic card. If this guy ends up being what I think he's going to be, and I'm not going to talk about that card now, but it was a pricey card and I had to move stuff to get it. But I was, I'm so confident in this guy that I just had to do it. I'm going to share more about that this week or next week. I'm very superstitious. I got to get the card in hand in order for me to talk about that. But once I do, I will unveil that 
Here's a spoiler alert. It's not basketball. So get ready for that. I sold several cards. 24-hour auctions. That Tatum, I talked about all-time high. I sold a Luke Luca Hoops BGS9. That Trey Young card I just bought, I sold it. I made money off of it too. I didn't, like for me, I talked about moving out of the base and into this the parallels. And that's kind of what I'm doing. And I was like, man, I like just bought this Trey Young, but I sold it because like I really wanted the card that I bought and I knew that was going to help get me there. I sold six Philip Rivers cards. It was a lot. It was like, it was five tops nine, one tops 10. I hung on to my tops Chrome 10, but I sold six Philip Rivers. I sold three uh, Chris Pauls, a tops. Uh, rookie nine, a Bowman draft prospects nine, and a Topps pristine nine. I sold uh, Dante DiVincenzo in case 9.5 and a Luca optic nine. And then also I have two Aaron Holiday prisms lot that's still need, they're up for sale now. I saw an Aaron Holiday s- silver sell for $250 and I'm sitting on a stack of them. And I was like, I got to put two of these up right now. It's like, I bought, literally, I bought one for $25 a couple months ago and $250 they're selling for. It's insanity. But anyways, it's selling season. I sold all of those cards. They're going out Monday and immediately I got enough money to get the card I wanted. So I'm going to unveil that card next week. I'm really excited about it. Hope you are too. I can't wait to talk about it. But the moral of the story is sometimes you got to detach yourself from cards. If there is something and you're trying to level up your stuff, you're going to have to move some inventory and don't be mad about it. Don't try to chase the peaks on all those cards. Get the money, especially if there's a return and especially if you have a strategy on a card that you really, really, really like. Okay, so let's buy, sell. So I just told you selling, buying. Um, I did say I'm buying football, so I'm continuing to buy Marlon Mack. I'm buying Calvin Ridley. I'm buying uh, Kenyon Drake. And I got to say, man, this Kenyon Drake card, I got a card, Kenyon Drake in the mail. And I thought, like, if my theory holds true, this is a steal of the century. It looks like a potential 10. I got his select rookie pink checkerboard. It's numbered four out of 15, 15 of these cards. And I got it for 30 bucks. And I was like, man, that seems just like a good deal if based on my belief system and theory. So I'm excited about those lower tier players that could have big seasons. More to come on that. All right. I thought it was important to make sure that we talked a little bit about some of the hobby hype guys and where they're at now and just my mentality if you're holding on to them or thinking about buying them. So let's start off first with our favorite topic, and he hasn't been mentioned in a while, but how about Bull Bull? Okay, so I think there's a case study here on Bull Bull, and you know it hasn't all played out yet, and we don't know. And I think I like to focus on things from a long-term perspective and not think about things from a short-term perspective. One thing I can say is that the parabolic growth of Bull Bull was something that was unprecedented. And I think, you know, at, at its peak, the Silver Prism PSA 10 sold for $745. Think, think about that. Okay, so his Silver Prism sold for $745. That's wild. And now I think it's around the 690 mark. I think, like, if you still ha- are sitting on Bull Bull cards, it might not be a bad time to sell. 
like still sell like unless you think bull bull is you know going to get time eventually and going to you know be the guy if you saw enough in that scrimmage which he looked great but i again the thing that concerns me about bull bull is the lack of tape so obviously there's a lot of like what ifs with bull bull but i think you got to trust your instincts with him like i will say this don't go out buying bull bull right now like his price is dropping a little bit, but it just it does it makes no sense to buy Bull Bull from from my perspective at this point. If you really want to buy Bull Bull, just wait until the like wait until the hoops are done, pick and choose a spot. That leads into the other the the uh, the, the probably the MVP of the hobby this week, and that's Michael Porter Jr. I think he saw a massive increase over the last two weeks. Is it just I don't know. Is he performing on the court? Certainly. So when you see performance on the court and the performance at which he is on a good team, like you're going to see growth. I think the thing with him, and I've talked about this a lot, Michael Porter Jr. has a massive cult following. There's a lot of people on Michael Porter Jr. And I think there's a lot of people too still debating what they need to do with their Michael Porter Jr. cards. So I think he had a 233% increase over the last two weeks. Silver Prism's at like 1400 1447 right now. My mentality on Michael Porter Jr. is this, and I've shared this with other people in my network. I think do not go buy his Prisms right now. If you have Michael Porter Jr. and you're not selling into it now and you're debating, I think I would make sure you have this in mind. I would make sure you think and you have confidence enough that Denver is going to make it to the second round and is likely to play an L.A. team. The reason why I would be selling Michael Porter Jr. is because just that increase is so absurd that like it's like cash out, everyone. Make your money. But if you are attached and you can't get rid of him, make sure you think that Denver's good enough to make it to the second round where then he could have another bump. I think if you're interested in buying Michael Porter Jr., look at a select product. I think there might be some opportunities in a select. I would not focus on prison, but Michael Porter Jr., is definitely I'm interested to see if his card where his cards keep going. And let's close it out with everyone's favorite pacer here, TJ Warren. His silver raw, I saw an increase of 110%. It's now trading at 160 bucks. I'm not buying any TJ Warren. I love TJ Warren. I just think like from my perspective, there's just too much uncertainty. I think it's pro- it's proven and undeniable that he is a scorer. He's a threat. He is a dude in the hobby. I just like a lot of things need to take place for TJ Warren's cards to continue to grow. Like Victor needs to leave. Like they need to say like, this is your team. And like, we're just not there yet. Like, so like, I'm glad I bought the TJ Warren cards when they did, when I did during the game. But like I'm not out in the market hitting the streets trying to buy more TJ Warren. I am excited to watch TJ Warren because he's just having fun and he's just playing with the chip on his shoulder. And I really think he can do some special things in the playoffs. But man, I'd just be cautious if you're to buy into this market right now. You know, and the thing I think the positive on him is any great shooter exudes confidence when they handle the pill. They keep shooting after misses and they find their shot and adapt. He was getting double teamed against the Suns, but he's still trying to find his shot. And I think that's great. And those confidence at which he shows is definitely encouraging. And if you're a fan of basketball, turn on the Pacers and watch this kid play, man. He is just someone you just want on your team. 
Covered a lot of ground today. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of Stacking Slabs. Make sure, go into Apple Podcasts for me, hit that subscribe button. Make sure you leave that five-star review. Follow me on all social channels. Enjoy basketball. Hopefully you're enjoying some grilling. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Take care of others around you. And thank you so much for making Stacking Slabs your hobby content alternative. Take it easy. Happy collecting. Happy investing.